look under your seat. There's popcorn and Coke there for you. <laughs> you know, one of the first touch guys said to me, he goes, it first started, and he stopped doing his job. He goes, I think I'm going to stick around for this. I only wish that it's going to go downhill from here. No, it's not. We're going to be in God's Word, and happy Father's Day. Well, this morning, we're in a series I started a few weeks ago called Love Is. Well, today, I'm, I'm going to talk about love is, is two, two things, two-pronged. Love is patient, and love is kind. You're saying, well, okay, I think I've read that in the Scripture. And if you have a Bible with you, and we'll have some of the verses that come up on the screens today, if you'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, very well known as the love chapter in Scripture for us. Uh, I was thinking about all the weddings I've done over the last you know, 35, 37 years, and I was thinking about 90% of them probably always read 1 Corinthians 13. I'm curious, how many of you had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your marriage? Raise your hands high. I must not have done your wedding. Okay, anyway, it's a great passage, but it's so much more than that that we'll see. That it's not just written for wedding ceremonies, or it's not just like nice poetry. I think it's much more. Uh, I'm going to open it this way. Waiting, being patient. The Father's time has never been our time. The Scripture says that God's ways are higher than our ways. And the Lord has developed that He would develop in us character and perseverance and the ability to endure. And part of that would be that we would have to wait on things. We have to wait on answered prayer. We have to wait on a job to avail itself. We have to wait on so many things. We have to wait. Like I hear this. Sometimes I ask people, why are you always late for church? I'm always waiting on they always throw the other person under the bus. It, it's amazing. So I'd love to. So we have some cam shots here. We're going to show you the, of, of home, your homes this morning. No, we're not going to do that. But listen to this. I read this. This is great. Five waits at a restaurant. Number one, a really good restaurant, you wait to get a seat. Number two, you wait to get a menu if it's a good restaurant. Number three, then you wait to order because all they want to do is take your drink order first. Number four. Then you wait and you wait and you wait for the food to get on your table. And that can be annoying. And then, after you've done that, if you're in a hurry, you have to wait for the bill. Isn't it amazing? Just five waits, just in that simple exercise called eating. So wait. We wait in the world. We wait on God. We wait on one another. And yet the Lord asks us to be patient as followers of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, if you'll look there in chapter 13, and if you look down there around verses 4 through 7, I'll read in just a minute from the uh, New Living Translation. But I believe right here it's going to come up on the uh, screen, it did, and it's from the message. Uh, our gift was from Eugene Peterson, that great Greek scholar that died this past year or so, and he penned this. So I'm going to ask everybody in the room if you'd stand up, and we're going to read this together. Can we do that? This is a great passage. It's a little different than it says in yours, and it's just kind of going through 1 Corinthians. So let's start together. Love never gives up. Love cares for others than itself. Wait, love cares more for others than itself. I, I know I can't read. Here you go. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others gravel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. 
always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. We're going to close in a prayer and you can go home. Hold on, message. I'm just joking. You can sit down. There it is. For, but let's, let's look at it in a little more common, maybe not the New American or the NIV or the translation of choice. That's, that's always been the amazing thing uh, today in the church. There's so many translations that continue to come out. Of course, it was written in Hebrew and Greek, so, you know, there are translations. But, but listen to this. I, I like what the, how the NLT puts it. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. So this morning, we just kind of got a framework from what the Father thinks about this. But the Apostle Paul, I think here in this particular section of Scripture, He's inviting you and me into the narrative, into the story of Scripture. God, remember, when Scripture was given, it didn't have chapter and verse. We, we added that years later, okay, for us to be able to find it. I mean, I can just imagine everybody. I mean, can you imagine us all coming here with scrolls today, and you're like pulling out, oh, wrong scroll, and somebody else has got the scroll. It's just so easy to be able to find it. And, of course, they didn't know then that we were going to have telephones and our iPads and all these things, and we would just hit a button and... Boop, there it is. I, I can only imagine today if the Apostle Paul could come to this stage and could teach and people were using instruments. That'd be a little weird for him. But listen to this. Put your name. I, I've taught you this before, but it's been many years and I thought it would be good. Personalize Scripture when you read it. Scripture was written for you and me. It was written for us corporately but individually. We should personalize it. We should put our name in the Scripture as much as possible, not to rewrite it, but to obey it, to proclaim it. Listen to this. What if I said, Keith is patient. Keith is not rude. Keith is not self-seeking. Keith is not easily angered. And a little later, Keith never fails. You'd go, lie. But that's my goal. It doesn't work so well, but put your name in the text. You put your name in the text. Here it is. Eric is not arrogant or rude. Tiffany does not insist on her own way. Sandy is not irritable. Gloria is not resentful. And you begin to do all those things. And the thing is, I want us to personalize, but there's something still we fall short. Because I find that when I want to have these attributes in my life and yours, I miss the mark. How many raise your hands if you've been missing the mark on this 1 Corinthians 13 section? See, I think it's impossible. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit, with God himself working, entering in through our personalities, through our lives, making expression, does this work. I was meditating on John 15 the other day. One of my favorite passages in all the scripture, John 15. It's all about abiding. When I abide in him, in the vine, when I'm, I'm connected, then I have sustenance, then I have nourishment, then I have strength, then there's connectivity, then there's an opportunity to produce fruit in my life. Jesus says you should bear fruit and much of it. So God, help us to bear fruit today. Lord, help us to look to you. Love is patient, the scripture says. It is not easily angered. I'm so glad that our Father, our Heavenly Father today, is patient. He is not slow in keeping his promise. He loves us immeasurably. He's here for us today. He's here for us every day. And yet, our first response sometimes is to to have pushback on him, to try to say, God, I want to demand my way. God, I need this. But, or, or when it comes to even coming to faith, we're kind of slowing that so many times. 
but we, we want to get in harmony. We want to get in tune with the Lord here this morning because this section, 1 Corinthians 13, it was written for followers of Jesus, for, for Christ followers, for, for the church, for the body of believers. But it is also written for loveless Corinthians. The people of Corinthian didn't have the, of Corinth, they didn't have it all together. And he wrote it for them. Also, it was written for loveless Catholics. It was written for loveless Baptists. We know how the Baptists don't like the love. It was written for the loveless Methodists. It was written for the loveless Pentecostals. And it was written for the loveless community church. You're going, now wait a minute. I was feeling really good about ourselves until you put us in that camp. How many of you know loveless people in all those groups? All of us, don't we? So this section was written to inspire, to motivate, to push, to give us some direction, to, to, to embrace it, to be a follower. But here's what I've learned when we talk about love is patient. We hate to wait. I mean, you, you go to a restaurant, you ask people, How, how's the food? They go, man, the food is amazing. And then you ask the question, how long is the wait? You know, and I pick on them a lot. They're that Christian restaurant, but they've really figured out marketing better than anybody. They've definitely figured out the service game, Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter when I go down there. There are circles upon circles of traffic and people. But for the most part, 99.9% of the time, they have a great attitude. They're glad to be there. And they get you around. And I won't name other restaurants nearby. But they can have three people in the parking lot. Three people in the parking lot. Chick-fil-A's got three people standing in line just to go to the bathroom. And you can get through 27 cars, I've counted, through Chick-fil-A. And you can be in another restaurant going, hey, is anybody still there? But I'll just go ahead and throw one other restaurant under the bus right now. I won't even call it a restaurant, but it's a fast food place. And they have this thing called Happy Hour. No, your pastor doesn't drink, but he participates in this happy hour all the time. It's called Sonic. Sonic needs some help, people. They got them Route 44 drinks that make you just praise Jesus. They are awesome. But I promise you, I hear people cuss. I hear people scream. I hear loud mufflers. I see people cut out of the line. It is ridiculous. And your pastor's been known to be a little less than encouraging when he gets to the speaker. Hey, what's going on in there? And you're talking to yourself. I mean, it's, am I not telling the truth? They need help. Help them, Jesus. I hope somebody corporate right now from Sonic is listening to this message. Because we like your stuff. I hear this. People hate to wait. There's a whole field of research and psychology about waiting I learned this week. In the 1950s, it was when a high-rise office building in Manhattan had problems. The tenants in the building complained about something. You know what it was? It was the long waits for the elevator and for the elevator to take them to the floor that they desired. So engineers got together and they did their thing and they began to study it and they began to pursue and how can we figure out this problem? And they said, can we speed up? The elevator. Now, this is not Disney World when you get on an elevator, okay, folks? Although, how many would like to go to a place and it was like a Disney World experience? And boop, you're there. You know, I go to the hospitals a lot to see people. And you go to a big hospital, there's a lot of floors. I think it'd just be cool if you just hit a button and you were there like a nanosecond. But it's not going to happen. But you know what they determined, the engineers? People are just bored. They don't have time to wait, or they don't want to wait. So what they did is they recommended install floor-to-ceiling mirrors near the elevator so people can look at themselves. And now you're beginning to wonder. Some of these nice buildings, I know they have marble and paneling, but some elevators you go in and you got mirrors kind of all around. 
There's a reason. They want you to get distracted or they have bulletin boards in there. There's all kind of things we do to distract people. Like, here it is. Go to your grocery store and you get there and there's a long line. And I know you go, praise the Lord. I can experience the, the, the message that the pastor preached on waiting in line. I, I, I detest waiting in line. But they figured it out. That's why they get magazines and gum and all kind of junk out front. Because they're trying to distract you. They have figured it out. Even over here at Sam's, they are so smart. They get them big cups, and they have them there at the register. They want you to go ahead and, you know, hey, don't get too uptight. It's going to work out. Go to Disney World, and they have characters and Mr. Potato Head and all that. They talk to you, and you get your picture made with them. And you think, oh, wasn't that sweet? No, they were just smarter than you and me. They knew that you needed to be distracted. But this morning, patience. I think I'm building a case that we need to learn, yet we have to wait for peace in the world. Ultimate peace won't come until the Lord touches down on this earth again. We wait for our prayers to be answered. This morning, there are people that are waiting for prayers to be answered. I've got a particular prayer I've prayed for 41 years. 41 years. I'm still waiting. I've got some prayers I've prayed 41 seconds, and it's immediate. Which one do you think I like? Okay. 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. It is not envy. It is not boast. It is not proud. The root word here is interesting. Macrothemia. Can you say with me? Macrothemia. Oh, that's pitiful. You're going to fail Greek. I hear you. Do it again. Macrothemia. Got it? Chap, don't tell me I said it wrong. That's the way we learned it in Emory. Okay, all right. Macrothemia. And basically, that's the word. Remember I've told you the Greek word is specific. It's exact. It, it's, it's a lot better than our language, and that's why it's so hard to translate it. But listen to this. Macros here, it means long, long. Thymia means passion, wrath. So when he says be patient, it's long. It, it, it would be this. They have a long fuse. You ever enjoy fireworks? And, and you know, you hope you have a long fuse so you can light it and not blow your hand up and get away from it long fuse that's i want you to see the picture of patience we should have the holy spirit bridling us filling us to give us long fuses with other people how many of you can turn to the person next to you and go you cause me to need a long fuse no don't do that but you have some people that do that in your life and their situations and their circumstances and we definitely or we use a term in our life we go that person has a short fuse they're rather volatile they're rather angry well, they need the Holy Spirit to fill them. They need the Holy Spirit to take residence. They need the Holy Spirit to take control. And this is a message for all of us. So here it is. It's, it, it, in, the, uh, in the Greek here, the Macromathia here, it, it, is, it, it is a verb. It, it, it is an action. It would say this, love suffers long. Write that down. Long suffering. Uh, forbearance. You got the idea? You're saying I'm just getting ticked off listening to you talking about patience, okay? Then you really need to listen to this message again, okay? Because God wants to work patience in us to display the character and the majesty of Jesus. Lord, we wait on you. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come again. Oh, I pray that prayer. Come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But Lord, come. Come in this place. Inhabit our praises today. Inhabit this place. Indwell us. Move among us. You're the source of love. L let me give you some things 
uh, that I think I want you to fill in the blank. Anyway, did, did, did I get the blank filled in for you here? It means long and passion and wrath. So fill that in. You don't have to call me, okay? Now, let me move the first little dot. Love is patient regarding a loved one's salvation. That's my 41-year prayers of salvation for my brother, okay? And you have prayers like that or salvation for your kids or for your spouse or for your best friend from high school or college or whatever. I don't know. Second Peter 3.9. I love the Word of God. It tells us that God is not slow about His promise of His return, but He is patient toward us, not wanting any to perish, but for all. Circle the word if you see it in your Bible right now. For all, that means all-inclusive, that means everyone. It is his desire for all to be saved, for all to come through the narrow gate of Jesus Christ. And the church said, I'm glad that God is patient unto salvation, and he's longing to redeem more and more of mankind that they would not be lost for all eternity. What a God we have. I have a friend that I met in the 80s. I've talked about him before, and godly godly man patient patient just love him his name's glenn draper his, his father passed away in the last day or so dr glenn draper uh, i got a post and his dad was very famous big conductor led all these musical christian groups all over the world the nation and there was a post of him and dr billy graham it was really cool and i thought you know wow you know you, billy waited forever to see his lord face to face and now dr draper's there with him and i think man we we long for that but when we talk about salvation I read the story of the old biographer, or, or his biography. Uh, I love George Mueller, the great missionary, a man of tremendous faith. He's known for faith, and he's known for orphanages that he would raise money that he would support the needs of kids that they could raise them in the faith over in England. And it, I read this story, talked about that he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed uh, for this guy for 10 years, or two guys, and, and they were actually converted. They came to Christ, and he prayed for a third man and a fourth man, and finally they came to faith in Christ. And he had a fifth man. He prayed for this man 52 years. And George Mueller died. But at his funeral, people were proclaiming the gospel, and, and the guy still didn't come. But the word was that three months later, the man finally surrendered and gave up his life, yielded to Jesus Christ. We never know. There's prayers that I'm praying that I might see. I love to see them in my lifetime. You like to see, you like to see prayers answered in your lifetime? But there might be some that don't get finished on your watch. You were just a part of the work of God. You're a part of the intercession, and God brings it to pass. He's a great God. Here's another one. Love is patient in listening. God wants you and I to listen. I'm not talking about we just hear voice patterns coming, but we're really distracted. We listen intently with our heart. God, teach us to be people. Matter of fact, I'll give you a verse. I found this this week. I've I, I, I read it before, but I thought it was interesting. It's Acts chapter 26, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, I beg you to listen to me patiently. It finally hit me what Dr. Charles Stanley's been doing for 40, 50, 75 years. I've heard it for the last 40 years, and it really kind of annoyed me, but it's his signature mark, and I understand where he got it. You ever listen to Dr. Charles Stanley over the years? And he goes, listen to me, listen to me now. Well, I was reading here. Here it is, Apostle Paul. I beg you to listen to me patiently. That's what I pray, that you will listen to me, but you will really listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God, we want to listen. We don't want to just hang around. We don't want to just say, well, we do here. Here, here it is. Your spouse will be happier if you listen to them. And the church said, 
And the women said, amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew y'all get verbal on that one. Your kids will love it if you listen to them. Sometimes we're too busy to listen. It's the thing I like about grandparenting. I think I'm a better grandfather than I was a father. I made a lot of mistakes in the parenting thing. My girls love me and they tell me, I mean, I was blowing up my phone this morning. Man, it feels good. But I know I made my share of mistakes. But the grandparenting, you kind of get to do it again. And all the grandparents said, it's kind of cool. And we still blow it there too. But kids, spouses, how about people that work with you? You think they would like you? How about tomorrow if you just took this one concept to my love is patient and you went to work tomorrow and you go, I want to listen. I'm going to listen to you. It could change the world. Okay. So let's keep going. Love is patient with the spiritually immature. That is, spiritually immaturity. Love is patient with those. Those that don't know Christ, those that are in Christ that have not maybe had the growth that we've had the opportunity to have, we need to be patient with them. That's the, it's the Paul-Timothy kind of thing. We, we do that. Been a pastor for decades now. I, I want to be more patient because that's, people have been patient with me. I, want to, I need to be patient with them. We need to be patient with one another. It's just a, a good thing. But it's so easy to get self-centered and get immature and to get fleshly and to miss it and not listen and not be the patient believer that God wants. Back to this. It's the long fuse. It's the long suffering. God, help us to be long-suffering as a fellowship. But more importantly, help us to be long-suffering, long-suffering as individuals in the body of Christ. It's incumbent upon you and me to demonstrate the patience of Christ, but apart from Him, we can do nothing. I've tried. How many of you have tried to be patient? How's it working for you? Here, I, I, if I hand the mic to you, could you tell me how that's working for you? How many struggle with this patience thing? Hold your hand up. H hold them high. That is awesome. I knew I loved y'all. A bunch of sinners. It's just a, no. Yeah, I mean, we struggle with this patience thing. It's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, I want it now. I remember when we bought our first microwave in 1984. Microwaves were just coming on the market. We saved our money, got it from J.C. Panay. <laughs> Rachel was a brand new baby, and we had a microwave. Hot tech. And I'm thinking, that thing has revolutionized our lives. I mean, yeah, how many of you use a microwave? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a cool thing, you know. But you know what it's done for us? I want it fast and I want it now and I want it hot. Do y'all remember as a kid? I remember this. Oh, God help us. I remember as a kid in the 60s growing up and we would eat hot dogs a lot at lunch. And my dad be so cheap, he wouldn't even buy buns. He'd say, roll it up in the bread. I'm like, oh, dad. <laughs> and we would boil them in water. How many of you remember boiling in water? Praise the Lord Jesus. I don't do that anymore. That is nasty. I've had people here, hey, pastor, we're going to have hot dogs in the church. We'll just boil them in a pot. No, you're not, neither. <laughs> we got a grill out there. If not, we'll go buy one quick, and we'll burn them for Jesus. <laughs> Did y'all know they're anointed when they're burned? There ain't nothing getting burned in a pot like that. Oh, 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 man, I'm just getting sick thinking about it right now. I ate, I ate them every week, sometimes three and four times a week. Have a hot dog. I'm such a big cook, so I can handle it. Okay, there you go. Long, that's not funny, Charles. Come on, all right, long-tempered. All right, waiting patiently. 
The Lord is compassionate. He's gracious. He's good. Lord, help us to be in touch with you, that you hold back your hand of judgment waiting for us to repent. So, Lord, if I consider how many times you've been patient with me, help me to be patient with others through your Spirit. And this, this is a message, and I, and I could go on and on, but I, but I want to move to the next one. It's, it's basically, it's the word for kindness. Be ye kind to one another. I go, I go King James on that verse, okay? Be ye kind. I mean, it's, it's real cute. It's real biblical. But sometimes we're not so kind. See, we want to be nice. There's a difference between nice and kindness. I think kindness has grit. I think kindness is, is deeper. I think kindness is biblical because it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Thank you, Doug. I'm glad you're listening. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Write it down. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Here is the trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance of Christ, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, God has been patient, long-suffering, forbearing with you and me. And that he called us to himself. He called us to repentance. He awoke our hearts spiritually if we received the gospel, we received Christ in our life. Man, that's, that's the Christ that I love. That's the, the, the patient Savior, the one that is patient with sinners, the one that we should imitate. We should emulate his life out of his work of grace in our hearts. And through small groups and this thing that we're going to start that uh, Josh was talking about, inside the service we'll have about a 10-minute thing that we'll break up in some small groups and we'll try to connect with the message and we'll try to connect you with one another we're going to try it for a couple months this summer. I hope and pray that it will pay dividends. But listen to me. We need you to sign up for this training that Chaplain Dave and I will conduct because we want to try to be the best we can facilitators to help that happen. Would some of you sign up this morning at the information center when the service is over? Oh, I just feel the love. <laughs> Guys, it, it didn't work if you don't help us. We, we want to train you. We're, Dave and I are not just looking for another reason to get together. We'd like for you to come. Okay, the 26th at 6.30 in this room. Write it down. Somebody said, uh, when is it? June 26th, 6.30. In which room? In which room? And you're coming. Okay, good. All right, here we go. All right. All right, so our reaction, our patience. Listen to this. I love this. Patient means we stay put and we stand fast when we would like to run. How many of you like to run? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you want to run away from the situation. God says, that's where I want you to plow in. I want you to be patient. Uh, the farmer, man, we could talk about the parables, and that's another series coming, but he knows all about the harvest. He knows all about waiting. We can learn so much from the Scripture, from the Gospels, from the New Testament, from learning about that. But as we look at this here, we look at this word kindness, and, and kindness uh, is what God wants. To, it, it's to, to be kind to one another. It's to use the kindness of God. Kindness is always an act. It's an active word. It's action. His love gets on display when we act with the kindness of Christ. Matter of fact, here 
there, there is a, there's a, a, a thing that's going to come on the screen. I hope he comes up now. It's one of the favorite games of 1976. How many of you remember that? Whack-a-mole. You know, the little heads pop up. And boom! You got out your aggression, and it, it was healthy. And uh, so whack-a-mole. You didn't know it could be spiritual, did you? And a little crazy smiling face would come up, and you, oh, wham, oh, wham. And you had a little one at your house, but if you went to an arcade, you heard what I said, didn't you? 1976, 43 years ago. What are you looking at me for? A long time ago. That's when this thing came out. But I still think, I wish we had them at the church. Wouldn't that be fun? You just wanted to beat up somebody. You just wanted to be rude. And you went over in the corner and just go, da 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 that would be so cool. Why do all the people at your church go over in the corner and like, because they're playing whack-a-mole, so they don't hit you. Okay. Anyway, I, I just thought it'd be a fun way to try to demonstrate the points, what I'm trying to do. But you, you know what I think it is? That, that little thing would come up and you whack it, but it was always full of love or a smile. We should be like that as followers of Jesus. When people come against us, we need to practice the love of Christ. I read a verse in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness. That's what Jeremiah says. He says, God exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Lord, help me and my friends to be people that exercise kindness today. The practical application is that when you and I come to the end of our rope, and that happens more than we want it to, we would purpose to refrain from character assassination or words that we shouldn't speak and say, God, fill me with the love of Christ. Clothe me in compassion and kindness and humility. Show me how to love others the way you have loved me. Help me to be quick to forgive, slow to become angry. That's what a follower of Jesus should strive to do. That's what we need to do together, and we encourage one another. We treat people better than they deserve the father has has treated you and i much better than we deserve he has loved us completely in christ that we should not neglect such a great salvation as this that we should receive the gospel of grace dear abby back when the newspaper was actually popular when we actually had one i guess we still have one just i won't even ask you how many read a newspaper the younger generation what is a newspaper okay she wrote a thing It says, Dear Abby, my mother used to be very critical of every family member, but always behind their backs. Any relative who visited her had to listen to the endless bad mouthing of what's wrong with so-and-so. Now, don't raise your hand if you have something like that in your family, but you, maybe you understand. One day, her grand, one of her grandsons came to visit her. As soon as the grandmother started her unusual criticizing of fellow family members, the grandson said, Now, Grandma! You have 20 minutes to say nasty things about anybody you want to. And then we're going to talk about pleasant things, Grandma. Only pleasant things. Grandma took her teeth out. She was lost. She was dumbfounded. She didn't say anything for a full minute, this little article said. And she didn't use her allotted 20 minutes to badmouth anybody. As a matter of fact, she changed dramatically after that day. And Grandma became the sweetest old lady I've ever met. Because she got called out by her grandson. I'm only wondering what my grandkids will do with me over the years. I hope, I believe they, they make me better. 
I think they'll continue to make me better because they seem to have a voice that nobody else has. It's just kind of one of the roles that God's put them in there because we want to shape and nurture them and they'll speak back into us. Ephesians 4.32, write it down. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. What a merciful God. I'll move to this quickly. I, I like what uh, Ruth says. Ruth, uh, the book of Ruth, I, I, I've taught on that. I'll come back one day and just do a message independent. But Ruth 1, 16 to 17. But Ruth replies, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And then Ruth 2, 10 through 12, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? Boaz was so kind. She asked, I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law, Naomi, since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully, Ruth, for what you've done. Old and New Testament is filled with the kindness of our Father. And I pray that somehow this morning through illustrations, but more importantly through the Word of God that has power, one of these verses, a collaboration of these verses, will speak to your hearts today, about the patience and the kindness of a good father. It's getting later. I would cover Luke 10, 30 through 37, which is the story of the Good Samaritan, but I don't want to fill in the blank. Kindness. See a need. Feel compassion. Respond. See a need. Feel compassion. Respond. And I would add, in kindness. There are a lot of needs in our city and if we just took seriously the claims of Jesus and responded out of the grace and the mercy of Christ, our fellowship would swell, our fellowship would grow. We would see supernatural things happen in our midst if we would just take this little simple message about the love of Christ. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He's a great God. He's a kinsman redeemer. And I feel in the last blank that I'm going to ask the team to come. We've got an act to do today. When love is kind, it's always others focused. God, help me and my friends to be other focused. Paul would say, consider others better than yourselves lord help us to be compassion oriented toward others when love is kind it is often surprising love is able able to suffer shortcomings it's able to overcome it's able to go beyond into kindness so here's a closing verse on this hebrews 10 24 in response to all that God has done for us, let us outdo each other in being kind and helpful to each other. God, help me, help us to outdo one another in the kindness of Jesus.
And in the result being, Christ would be glorified. Father, help us to be kind to our enemies. Help us to be kind as followers of Jesus. Today, we're going to take Holy Communion together, but I want us to pray. Bow your heads. Father, we're grateful for this morning that we can come and can look at the Word and can be instructed about patience and kindness. And I pray you would produce that in us today as we abide in you and you in us. Draw us close. May we draw near your heart. I pray, Lord, if there are ones that are far from the cross, far from Christ, have drifted from Christ, that today they would run home, today they would repent, today they would look at their Savior, today they would look to Jesus, today they would cry out to Christ. But Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Invade our hearts and have your way in the name of Jesus. Today, we have a table and a